Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Peeking Into Success podcast. This is episode 21. Today we have on a man who is a co-owner in Crawley Town Football Club and is sharing his views and opinions on running the club and what he thinks is happening to the club at the moment. So that's just a bit of a disclaimer on him. Uh, so today we have on Hunter Oral. The Bless is open every day from 12pm serving a wide range of beers, ciders, real ales and spirits. Their kitchen also provides handmade pizzas, loaded nachos, chicken strips and ice cream from 5.50 to 10.30 Monday to Thursday and 12pm to 10.30pm Friday, Saturday and Sunday. The pub quiz is very popular with anyone that enjoys a good beer and a bit of a laugh with their mates. Taking place every Wednesday at 9pm, there's loads of prizes to be won, including £50 drinks vouchers for the winners and a bottle of wine for the best team name. Everyone's a winner. They also have a spacious function room available to hire that can hold up to 100 people. Wow, that's a lot. Perfect for birthday parties work events, weddings and wakes. The Bless really comes to life at the weekends with their branded nights of stone love and fully loaded where the DJs play alternative, indie and rock music spanning the generations until the early hours of 2am. There really is something for everyone in what is arguably Derby's best pub. Hi Hunter, how are we today? Doing wonderful on yourself. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. And it's good with the time differences that we could actually sort this out and have this uh, interview and podcast. It it always makes things a little bit more interesting with the time difference. A hundred percent. So for people that don't know you, how would you sum yourself up in a nutshell to people? I would describe myself as a serial entrepreneur, um, investor, uh, advisor, collector of, you know, art and investments and um, different things. Uh, all, all around, I'm just kind of a guy who looks at the world and kind of sees it through a, a business lens. Nice. So kind of the investments and was it crypto that was your kind of big thing that you've been doing recently? Kind of what kind of investments do you make and kind of what markets do you look at investing in? Yeah, my my business career started um, actually when I was a freshman. Well, it, it, technically, it started when I was you know uh, like you know eight or nine years old doing lemonade at the end of my driveway um, on a you know a road that like not many cars go down, and then cutting grass and you know shoveling snow off driveways in the winter. Um, I mean, I my first kind of like big jump into like the business world in a legitimate way was. Uh, sophomore year of high school um i i sold a uh, software company that was a competitor of google maps um to a, another institution um and then i had another hardware company that was uh product devices for gopros and lighting industry um and then i kind of you know went to college and went and got an engineering degree and got a corporate job and um found you know success in the corporate world but it was you know in the middle right right before the pandemic and right 
in the middle of the pandemic, um, kind of discovering crypto and NFTs and Web3 and blockchain in a, in a serious way because um, I had found it before in like 2014, 15 is when I started. I gave it up in 17 and then I came back in, you know, end of 2020 um, and it, it just kind of clicked. I had a moment where it, I realized regardless of like, you know, the, the money side, just the technology integration into how it can be used to, um, you know, establish provenance and do trustless and ver- verification of payments and splitting, you know, all, all these different actual um, utilities that it allows for. I was like, wow, this is, this is important. And it's going to be used and you, know, you should spend some time learning about it. Um, and then obviously the investments start generating money and there is, you know, a monetary side to it. And I was like, all right, like, let's, let's really dive into that. Um, and that's kind of how I spent the end of 2020 um, up until, you know, even in, into uh, today. Nice. And I mean, what it shows from just talking to you then is that you are a very switched on individual that is just looking to make money and trying to invest in the next thing or the latest thing and trying to push for greatness. That's how it looks like. You're always pushing for success and greatness. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's the money side. I think it's more of the solving problems. I, I think that's what actually drove me to be uh, an engineer. I went, you know, got a mechanical engineering degree. Um, and everything to me is reverse engineering problems to find a solution. Um, and, you know, for me, it's if I have something that's bugging me or it's causing me issues in my day or I see it causing other people issues or a product that I'm like, oh, that, that sucks. Somebody could do that better or a service. I'm like, well, why don't, why don't I just do it? Or like, why don't I find people and we figure out a way to do it better? Um, in the same way, if I see a company that's starting, you know, a marketplace for digital collectibles and I'm like, oh, these guys have such a unique way of approaching it and they have a great, you know, background and skill set and they come from Apple and Instagram, you know, I want to invest in that because I, instead of me building it, I can be the the monetary side to that. Um, or I have, you know, my own mental capacity of like being able to say, oh, given my background and my expertise, you should do X, Y, and Z, and I can be value add and help them win and, uh, you know, bring really good products to uh, the market. Nice. So kind of with your business side, before we go into the football side, what are you working on now currently? So my my business side now is a little bit different than I think a lot of people know because I've been very quiet about it. Um, so I still do a little bit of crypto stuff. Uh, I'd probably say it's 15% of uh, my you know weekly time. Um, the rest of it goes into the talent management company that I started with two friends. Um, both of those two friends have started uh, multi-million dollar and one has done several $2 billion companies. Um, so that is something that I put a, an extraordinary amount of time into right now. Um, and then there's a music label that I'm a co-owner of. So I do a lot in the music industry. Um, and then I still have some of the venture capital investment side. Uh, so between the, you know, the music label, uh, and the, uh, talent agency, and then actually doing investments in crypto and then throw in, you know, the football club, my, my week is kind of, uh, divided up into sections of like, 
all these different industries, but how do they come together and how can they, can I leverage one to make the other one, uh, you know, do something unique. Um, and then if you even look at the talent agency, like that even kind of serves as, as its own venture capital and business development company where that's spinning up its own businesses or doing venture deals um, to bring products to different creators we work with. So that's kind of what my week looks like. And that's why when people ask me, like, what do you do? I just go, uh, <laughs> I don't really have an answer. I just kind of have my hands in uh, a lot of different things. And I mean, with what you've listed off there, that shows that you are not just a co-owner of Crawley. You have many different ti- like titles and hats that you have to wear and you're juggling a lot. So, of course, as we'll get on to now with the whole Crawley Town thing, yes, some fans might think that they're annoyed with the owners for X, Y, Z, but at the end of the day, you are a human being and you have to follow your other ventures which make money to help invest into Crawley, don't you? You can't just... You can't just stop everything else and focus solely on the football. Yeah, I mean, there's... It's hard, right? You have to you have to definitely understand how you can spend your time best to make everything the most successful it can be. Um, you know, for me, it's how can I build up some of these other businesses to bring opportunities to Crawley that Crawley would never get? Um, you know, might sound outrageous and a lot of people even fans are going to listen to this and probably be like well what you know how how the hell does music help Crawley Town but you know me going and sitting down with Central C at Spotify in California and discussing you know having that conversation around um you know music and UK culture and figuring out how artists that I have signed can work together and figuring out ways to bring you know concerts to Crawley and DJs and, you know, talking of Snoop Dogg, all these different people, that is impact. Um, if you look on the talent side, figuring out ways to work with the Sidemen, Mr. Beast. Um, I'm not going to name all the American creators because <laughs> I feel like people are going to hear their names and be like, oh, we don't want them to hear. But like that brings eyes and exposure to Crawley Town that you wouldn't see. And so I think, you know, look at Wrexham. They, Rob and Ryan have come at this the same exact way. What do they have in their arsenal that they can just, you know, you know, whether it's the gin or the, you know, uh, cell phone providers or the production companies, what do they have as infrastructure to make Wrexham uh, incredibly hard to compete with because they don't have to financially go out and spend all this money or make these partnerships. They own these companies, they run them. Um, and so, you know, I'm only one person and uh, part of Wagme and Carly, Carly's ownership group, but, um, in, in my mind, if I want to have impact on the on the marketing and brand exposure side, which is where, um, you know, kind of where my role in all this kind of has its boundaries to, I need to be pushing in ways and building my uh, my career in a ways that do allow for that to happen. One hundred percent. I mean, what it shows, Wrexham kind of had the whole. Disney Plus deal and they've kind of had the adverts but kind of the fans have supported it whereas the fans aren't supporting you at the moment and what like for you I bet it feels like we we are putting effort in and as you've said with the promotion and with the music you are trying to bring 
more eyes onto Crawley. But why why do you think they look at it so differently to your vision and your understanding of what you're trying to bring to the club? So I think I think anybody who's listening to this who's like trying to start a business or, you know, is in in the world of starting something with other people needs to understand that it's very hard when there's you know, more than two or three people involved. Once once you start getting to, you know, a dozen, two dozen, three dozen, um, there's a lot of moving parts and everybody needs to be on the same page. I think that's probably one of the um, number one things that I can take away from the last two years of doing business um, in the crypto space because a lot of these companies um, and organizations have, you know, maybe between 10 and 50 people in them on average, just it's hard. Um, I think, I think when we took over Crawley, there was a really, really strong narrative from the ownership group and a really strong narrative from the organization and the fans understood. We all understood that this is, you know, inputting capital, bringing exposure to the, the club, bringing in better infrastructure, um, better players, um, you know, getting better kits, everything's just better, better, better. And, you know, regardless of anything else you do, you, we could have had Mr. Beast come in and, you know, do videos on Crawley every single week and make it the, you know, most viewed club on YouTube, but you have to win games. And, you know, the, the business of having a football club, in my opinion, can, you know, no matter where you're putting your, um, uh, time and energy into the number one thing that has to happen for you to find real success is to be winning games. And so I think fan frustration is stemming from one, the the lack of winning. Um, and I think it's also strongly from lack of communication and lack of transparency uh, to, you know, you know, I would say lack of, lack of normal transparency. Most clubs would kind of speak and, uh, discuss certain things that I think aren't being discussed now. Um, but even when we came in, there was a whole, Hey, we're going to be the most transparent club and we're going to you know offer all this. And I think some of the fans are like, well, where is that? Um, I think our hearts and our minds are still in the same place of, you know, this, this club has to find a way to be successful, has to find a way uh, to bring in a um, team of players and staff that, can win games and can compete for, you know, the playoffs um, because last season just, you know, the winning wasn't there. Um, With, of course, bringing plays in and out, I know that, of course, a few players have left this season um, and, and of course, you brought a few in kind of what, what's kind of the plan with the players is, of course, some of the players that have gone were some of your best last season. Was that kind of, your guy's choice or was that the player's choice do you kind of as yourself have a choice in whether players stay or go from the club so i personally don't have any say choice or like really any knowledge um and i think maybe this is one of one of those areas where you know outsiders looking in they're like oh he's an owner so he knows everything that's happening and he has a say in everything that's happening that's for me personally um my position is, you know, I, I put money into the club. I am an owner. Um, and my initial kind of say was, look, guys, like my biggest fear of all of this is that 
this doesn't go well and we're, you know, a black mark on the club's history. Like I will not, my job is to only say and give, you know, thoughts and opinions and steer the ship where I have expertise. So my expertise is in web three and crypto and NFTs. My expertise is in marketing, branding, commercialization, and licensing. Um, and so really uh, my kind of, my say in my my area that I only really touch is on the content creation, branding, um, licensing, and commercial, you know, that side of things. I woke up today finding that a player uh, had left by like full surprise again. Like every time a player leaves, it's a, a huge kind of shock to me. I'm like, oh, didn't know that was coming. Um, and so the chairman and the manager, director of football, like, those are the people making those decisions and I just don't get involved. It, it would be like, uh, you know, me buying into an airline and being like, all right, well now that I own this airline, I'm going to go fly the plane. Um, but I've never, you know, I've never flown a plane. That's just not, doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, hundred percent. And that, the reason I asked the question was to show that even though you are an owner, you don't ha- properly have a say on everything to do with the club so when people when the fans come at you and say oh it's the owner's fault it's not because as you've said you've got no kind of prior knowledge to it like you said this morning you just found out so yeah i think i think i think there's like blurred lines there because you have two chairmen that you know are part of the ownership group the two chairmen were you know, two guys that were from England and, you know, let's say everything was the same way happening. I think there would be far less push on the ownership group. Um, I think there'd still be push, but it would be more like, you know, what are you got? Like fix, fix the chairman position or fix this, fix that instead of like, it is the ownership group causing all this pain. Um, so I think I think a little bit of the uh, little bit of that hostileness is coming from people just not understanding who's making decisions and who's involved. I mean, there's uh, a list of people that are named as owners publicly, but you know, some of them are simply investors who just invest and they come to games and they love the club and they want to see it do well. But they're they're not making you know decisions like that's. It's with any company. Like you have people that uh, are just money, and then you have people that are money and they work, and you have money people that just work. And um, at the end of the day, we still all want the same thing, which is to see success and to see the club do well, because that's where all of our interest is aligned is seeing the club flourish. Nice, and I mean, with your role in the club, of course, you brought in. Um, the three Brown brothers, um, Toby, Ma- uh, Toby Manny and Jed. And, I mean, it was mixed received, but kind of what was your intention with that when you brought yeah, that was Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, so that was Jacob Martin, a uh, close friend, another um, person involved uh, with the club, and I decided to uh, basically take find a way to involve larger and larger names. Um, I think 
I think it comes down to we are outsiders and we understand that. And we can't come into the UK and just say like, all right, like we're going to Americanize this or, you know, let's, you know, steal what's working or like what's cool and just like make it our own. Like, I think you have to find ways to integrate in and kind of, you know, share an olive branch and be a friend and be a, you know, co-creator and what's happening in the country Um, For us, the largest thing that I can see happening in the country from a creation side is the Sidemen. Um, I think Toby and his brothers uh, are just absolutely the nicest and most down-to-earth people. Um, And I think when that opportunity presented itself, it was a, you know, how many times are you going to have clubs that are willing to let you come train and, like, just open the doors fully? Um, you know, you'll see premier clubs have people over and it's kind of like a PR stunt. And then it's like, you know, thanks for coming. Thanks for the free views, but you really don't have clubs saying like, look, like we are fans. We think there's opportunity for you to bring value to us. We think there's value to bring, uh, there's opportunity to bring value to you by, you know, letting you train, letting you add this to your, you know, your workout routine, um, you can make content off of it, whatever you want to the wild, you know, whatever you really can dream of. Um, that's where our minds were at. And so while some people thought it was just a huge publicity stunt, uh, I think there was a way of kind of saying like, look, like we're trying to be a little bit different here and establish ourselves um, in a little different way that might let us have different opportunities um, break into doing different content, bring in more creators. In my mind, Crawley Town, um, you, you can, I, I think of Crawley Town as it's a football club and the other part of it is being uh, almost like a media company where, you know, you're making content, you're making products, you're making things that people think are cool, they want to watch, they want to, brands want to come and they want to have their logos on the side of, like that's that's a real business. And for clients that I do in the talent agency and people are like, well, that's not a real business. Like, you know, people look at TikTok and think it's so stupid. And then you find out that a lot of these TikTokers are making between 500000 and $2 million a year. Um, pretty, pretty much like not, it's not that hard. Um, and so I kind of look at the football club. I'm like, well, this is a professional football club that has, you know, airtime and has, you know, thousands of fans that show up to games. And it is a, you know, it's one of 92 teams that a country cares about. And I think that there's a way to take all of that attention and convert it into something that people want to, you know, really want to watch in a, a unique way. So I think the sideman was just kind of a start into that. 100%. And I mean, even if it was received positively or negatively by people. It's oh, the on, kids uh, love it. I, I I I will never forget. I think uh, the um, the Simon Charity match was when we had Doncaster away. I remember getting on the train at Kings Cross Station, uh, Kings Cross, um, and uh, I remember sitting like looking for my train. I couldn't find it. I was freaking out that I was going to miss it, miss this game. And uh, the article that we had sent people to the Simon match, the scout had gone out. And I remember my DMs were flooded. People were so mad. We weren't, we were, you know, the season wasn't 
still going great. Fans were pretty mad. I got like I got yelled at and shit thrown at me during the game. It was bad, but um I will never forget uh kids coming up to me on the train and being like, You're a hunter, like that's so cool. Like the Simon thing, you're brilliant. Like and I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is it. Like this is where you're gonna find that divide of the younger generation gets it. They love it. They think it's cool and they all know who the team is now. And then you have this older generation who they don't know or care about the Simon and they just they're like focus on football. But I think again it's two there's two verticals of making a football team truly truly like a global power, which is winning games, focusing on the football, getting that absolutely right, making sure you have the best manager, the best training staff, physio, um, you know, getting that perfect. And then on the other side, making sure you have a good media and content. Um like side of things every business every you know this is the big snippet of what we're discussing today is my hypothesis is every single business is going to have to have a content and media arm in the next five to ten years um the fact that i pulled up youtube the other day and i was looking for something and there's a construction company in canada that does youtube and I literally thought to myself, if I live there, this is the company I would use because the videos were that entertaining and different. It's a construction company. Like who, who, who wants to go on YouTube and watch a construction company? But they're doing the same thing. They do construction super well. They're experts at what they do, but they're also experts at doing, you know, the merchandise that they do and doing the videos that show what they're doing and they make it entertaining. It's just different. I, I look at every business the same way today on how are you doing the business stuff well? And then how are you doing your content well? And that's it. You've rounded it nicely with the kids will focus positively on what your role at the club is and that you are engaging an untapped market. Is How many kids before you kind of got involved with kind of doing the... the um, Toby Manny and Jed thing and all of that. How many kids outside of Crawley would have known about Crawley Town? Yeah, really? I mean there was I, we got I mean there was hundreds of thousands of people that ended up following us that week just because of stuff, right? And so that's 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 significant. It, looking back on it, it's one of those things that I just it really solidified um, that mentality for me, and it really proved to me that. Uh, that's kind of like the future of how you have to think about business. Nice. We're going to steer away from Crawley now, as I think you've answered every question well, and if fans are listening to Crawley Town, they should understand that your role of the club and what you actually can control within Crawley Town and hopefully understand better of how the ownership model works. So... We'll come back to the life of Hunter now and look at your career high. So what's one moment in your career so far that you think is the highest point? Oh, man, that's a hard question. I, the joke in my family, I'm super close to my brother. I'm super close to my parents. Um, we all kind of discuss the, the craziness of the last three years um, pretty often. Uh there's been so many moments that I've like, I've like looked at and just been like, what the hell is happening? Like, how, how did I end up here? Um, you know, be, I think I'll give you like a couple just to like 
maybe put into perspective. I think winning against Fulham that was a moment where uh, it didn't feel it didn't it didn't hit me for like two or three days. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> like I was excited. I lost my mind. Like you know to see uh, in the field get run on and to have uh, Simon Jordan or what first name is yelling about me on his <laughs> podcast, whatever he does. Um, and them calling me gormless, uh, online. Like I, that was, that was a pretty high moment for me where I was just like, wow, like so many things had to go right to get to this moment and to see. So I, I was more just happy to see everybody happy. Um, that was a pretty high moment for me. Um, I, financially there's a moment where I had I, I had probably like ten thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars left in my bank account um at one point and uh I took eight thousand dollars of it um and I found a random person on the internet who loaned me another eight thousand dollars and I bought a art piece so I bought an art piece for sixteen thousand dollars and you know at this point uh I had a girlfriend and I had, you know, I still had like obligations and stuff. And so like, I put myself in a position where like going out to dinner um, was like stressful for me. Uh, and so I ended up buying this art piece for 16000 And a couple months later, I ended up selling that for almost $600,000. Um, and I remember sitting at my corporate job in my like little cubicle area negotiating this sale what like my, I had my work phone on one year and my personal phone on another year. I'm like negotiating with one guy who's in Dubai and the other guys in California. And I was in the East coast here in America. And I'm like, we're all negotiating rates and like the money hit. And I remember just standing up and being like, all right, like I'm going home. It was like two, it was like 2 PM. I still had like three more hours of work. I just stood up and and went home and I remember sitting there. I remember like trying to like drive out of the parking lot. My hands were still shaking um, because I realized that I had really put it like all on the line and like things were starting to like work out. Um, and that opened up, that opened up so many doors for me. Um, those are two, definitely two big moments for me. Nice. Um, is there a defining moment for you? Or would you say that the art piece it's kind of a defining moment with you due to the money they brought in for you and changed kind of your financial presence. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if that, that moment, a lot happened, a lot happened in like a couple of weeks at that point. Cause I ended up quitting my job not too far after. Um, I think, I think that was that was like a critical moment. A lot of a lot of things would not have happened if that hadn't happened. Um, I think I think me starting to make I started making content in in the like the Web three space. I think that first video I posted was a defining moment because not many people showed their faces or talked or were you know charismatic um, and had like good intentions in the space. And for me to do that, I think it kind of allowed me to get to this point of like, I, the only reason I was able to buy that art piece is that I got invited to a dinner in LA with like two hours notice. So I hopped on a plane from New York and like a family get together thing and, you know, ditched that to go to this dinner. But the only reason I got invited to that was because this guy found a video of mine 
like I think I think it kind of all starts from there was just being very public um, and having like a persona in the space. Nice. Um, is uh, so we'll kind of go to your younger self and maybe take it back to six and or seven where you said you were doing the lemonade stand. If you went back to him, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to him? Um, <laughs> man, uh, I think, I think one of the areas that me as my younger self, I wish I could go back and tell myself is that it, you just gotta be okay being you. Um, I don't, I don't think I've ever really, I don't think I'd give myself business advice. I think I'd just give myself like just life advice like you just got to be you um you know i definitely was not i didn't have the greatest middle school high school experience um and i think i i thought a lot about how to make people like me and how to fit in or like how to be cool and i don't think it was really until like my senior year of high school i just kind of did what i wanted to do and owned it and i was like if you don't like it you know fuck you um and i wish i had learned that earlier and I think a lot of people today look, especially with everything online, I think a lot of people look at, you know, how many followers other people have, how much money are, you know, are people making? What are they wearing? What are, where are they traveling to? They look and compare their, themselves and they think about what other people view them as instead of really just being comfortable with themselves. Um, I think that's something that we need to instill in kids at a much younger age. And it's, it's something that I, I wish I had gone through my head. I know my parents told me this, but I wish I myself could just, you know, get it through my thick skull at an earlier age. No, that's nice. And I think I've mentioned that children of today should feel the same way as well and kind of try, notice things earlier. Because, of course, we all kind of let things pass by and then as we reminisce, we notice that. So it's nice that you kind of, if you could go back, you'd kind of try and notice things and try and push yourself more at an earlier age. Um, now I've got kind of two questions to just finish off uh, with. Um, firstly is, what is your gem of Crawley? So you've been there a couple of times, of course, you go to some some of the games and stuff. What's your gem of Crawley so when you go there what's the one thing that kind of captures you and like a place maybe that you always go to apart from the stadium you know number one thing I look forward to when I go when, when I go back now which like actually made me so kind of like thrilled to be there the first time I went and visited was the turf field across from the stadium is just going to that field <laughs> Because I, you know, is is I'm 28, and uh, I oftentimes forget that. But it's something around the sport of football that the second I put boots on, the second I step onto a field, um, I go back to being like a 13 year old kid. Like, if if it was just the hanging out with the kids on the turf field and playing, playing and shooting and playing, you know, five v five and short side, like that and seeing how excited the kids were and seeing how excited the kids were like meet somebody who like was involved, just involved with the club. Um, that kind of made me 
fall in love the the town. Just uh, I'm sure you can. Everybody's gonna be like, oh, you can find that anywhere. But it was, it was a special moment, and to see, I think a town that, you know, Gatwick's right there, and there's so much opportunity to bring um, infrastructure to the town. I think you know we can bring so much stuff to the town. Um, I, I just that that right there solidified kind of me wanting to show these kids like, all right, like let's, let's figure out how to get you more involved. Let's figure out how to, you know, demonstrate better equality in the town, give better opportunity. Um, and to me, Crawley town <laughs> is, is family. I think of it as like a family thing instead of like, um, my, that's like where my head goes first instead of like, Hey, this is like a business venture. It's like, how can I make, you know, John, who's a, you know, fan of one of, you know, 10,000 people who have come to a game over the last year, how can I make him happier? And how can I make him prouder to live in Crawley and prouder to like root for the team? I think about that, that for every single fan. Um, so I think for me, it's kind of just like, it feels like family, even, even though right now it's like very hostile. And I think a lot of people, if I showed up would not, be thrilled to see me and I don't think they'd have like kind things to say, but you know, I've got thick skin. I'm happy to look past that to keep trying to find a way to make them happy. Nice. And I think that just has come across talking to you for this past 35 minutes or so that it shows that your intentions are good and you do mean the best. They're just misunderstood and it, there's just a massive misunderstanding there which is a shame and that hopefully over time that does change um i i hope so <laughs> <laughs> um kind of my last thing to ask you is what is your prediction for the club for this upcoming season you know i think i think this season is going to be very interesting because if we have to look at what's happened the last couple months, right? Like we've had a lot of departures. We've had a lot of new people come in. Um, and granted, this is, I'm also going to say this right after we played crystal palace and you know, that was a zero to four loss again, but it's crystal palace. Um, I, I think this season's going to take a second, but I think with everybody kind of being on the same page from manager to chairman to players, everybody kind of, having a mentality of like we are going to play a certain way we're going to have a certain style we're looking for certain players um i think that we'll have a better season i think we'll certainly finish in a higher position than we did last season um but i do think i do think that where a lot of people are upset because we've lost older players and i'm I'm personally sad to see a lot of them go because these are I look at them as friends. Like I I go to training. I they actually tell me to get off the training field sometimes because like <laughs> they'll be doing drills and I'll be like, "Yo, can I get, get in?" Like they're like, "Get off the field." Um, and like even after training, like I'll go around and I'll shoot on the you know on the goals or like Corey will be in goal and like I'll I'll be shooting and um, like we'll we're like we're friends. Like I, it's sad to see these guys go because. I have those memories. I remember winning, you know, them winning games or scoring goals or those special, like, 
um, at Bradford when Tilly scored that goal. There's like a video of me like losing my mind. My glasses came off. I stepped on them. I broke my phone. Like it was a whole thing. I'm like running up and down the stairs. And then like, you know, to to watch players depart or like to watch uh, um, like that moment there is like a moment that I will always cherish. And, uh, you know, Jake departing, like there's moments of games where I remember watching, you know, screaming, like root cheering for him and like the scene departs, like losing a friend. Um, it's hard, but I think now with all the new guys that we have coming in that we kind of have this new unknown and people have to understand that with this change, hopefully there is a change in playing. Um, again, we want the best to happen. The decisions are obviously being made, uh, with the best intentions in mind. Right. So um, thank you for coming on today, Hunter, and kind of giving the owner's side and your role to Crawley and kind of giving fans, if they're listening to this, kind of your side and hopefully humanising you and showing that your, your intentions are good with the club. And I feel like with everything you said, that definitely comes across. So... Where would people be able to find you on social media or, for example, anything to do with the club? Well, first, thank you for having me on. I, I always appreciate uh, a conversation like this and your questions are amazing. Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere. It's just Hunter Orrell, at Hunter Orrell, um, or the username is Hunter Orrell. Um, and yeah, i I look at DMs occasionally. Um, I'm pretty busy. The last couple of weeks have been busy. So um, if you ever want to chat or talk, uh, hit me up there. Um, and yeah, everything from YouTube, Twitter, to TikTok, to Instagram, I'm on everything. <laughs> Brilliant. No, thank you for coming on. And I feel like you did well at answering the question. So thanks. Thank you so much. Want to know what's happening within Derby's black community? Or perhaps you have a story of your own to share? Then look no further than Majatu, your one-stop source for local African and Caribbean news. With our digital news platform and quarterly print magazine, keep up to date on all of the latest in arts, entertainment, food, sports and more. Find us online at mojatu.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Peaking to Success podcast. If you enjoyed, please make sure you follow us on Spotify as well as Instagram where you can see all the updates of who is coming up as well as who has already been on the podcast as well as Twitter where there is information and interaction from me on there as well. Thank you.